Hey everyone, it's Salman Qureshi. You're listening to the Expat Brat Podcast. How is everyone doing? Happy 4th of July to all my American friends for their freedom. Freedom. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the place that is free for everybody who lives there. The land of the free. Not so much for those who don't live there. I think there are some people who do live there and aren't free. And then the rest of us dream of being free when we get there. Uh, I'm in line. I'm not going to lie. I have my name in the draw. No, it's not the green card draw. <laughs> my brother lives in Dallas. And um, he has applied for my immigration. And it only takes, only takes like about 10 years. So in 10 years, I'll be free. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my um, backup plan about immigration in case everything else goes down south and I decide if the, if it actually comes through. Because I'm about three years into the waiting period now and with the COVID thing, I, I don't know how long it'll take. But that's the only route left for a lot of people that's still open. I'm waiting for like Republicans and stuff. <laughs> Republicans and stuff by Republicans and your conservatives to find a way to go, hey, man, we got to stop this thing. Because I was reading something interesting about it. It was, uh, it was whose book? I can't remember. Wait, I got to look this up. Like, if you've been listening to my episodes, you know that I am super forgetful, particularly when it comes to names. And I have found a way around it. It's called having a computer and Googling your answers has really, really helped me. Okay, yeah. So this guy's called Vajahat Ali, and he's a Pakistani-American guy, a writer. I think he deals with a lot of politics and stuff in the news sphere. And um, he came out with a book called Go Back to Where You Came From, an autobiography, basically. And uh, he talks about in that book about the history of this immigration law. And just to sum it up, right, I'm just giving you a quick... Cliff notes or Sal Q notes um, on on what what it's about was that they they implemented this law. I really should pay attention to details, right? Now, just saying, it sounds like something my uncle said, but this guy's legit, so you can look this up for yourself if you're interested in details. I can't recommend the book enough, by the way. It's a really good book. Uh, and again, disclaimer: I didn't read it. I listened to it on the audio book. Uh, I listened to the audio version, so make what you want of it uh, he reads it i love it when the author reads it most times when they're decent enough every so often there's a author that decides to read their book and you're like oh my god that's terrible um i felt particularly cheated when i was listening to arnold's and the sample had him read it and then the first chapter he reads it and that's it then it's just someone else till it's the last chapter when he comes back and reads again a few pages and stuff, and you're like, mm, I feel like I've been cheated a little bit. Anyway, I go off on a tangent. What Wajahat says in that book or reveals uh, is this history that the law for the family immigration came about hope with the hopes that it would be the Europeans bringing their families over, but instead they weren't so keen about bringing their people over. <laughs> We're more of a family community kind of bunch the brown folks so the mexicans the pakistanis indians we we brought over people and i think 
they've done this whole delay tactic of like 10 years and whatnot uh, so that they can stem the flow of Sharia law. <laughs> Maybe not Sharia law, but you know, they're scared of anything that's not not their color. So, um, so yeah, happy 4th of July, people. I think someday I might actually be sitting there and celebrating it. Not me, at least my parents will. Um, they're supposed to move there at some point. And uh, again, very sad. My mom's like, you know, what will I do going to the States at this age? I'd rather just live around here. And the rest of us just looking at her going, no, mom, go, go, move out of here. Anyway, little battle, little family battle that we're having. And <laughs> it's just so weird what people want, right? Uh, my wife's always like, you you talk like just move into Canada or the U.S. would solve all your problems. And I go, well, you know, yes. <laughs> when she first said that, I was like, yeah, maybe I'm just one of those people who are not happy with what they have. And I should really re-look at things and stuff. And then I kind of sat down and listed my main issues. And I went, actually, moving there would help me quite a bit. So at some point, you got to go. Um, we'll figure that out. It's just one of those things. A lot of people are happy on this side. I had a couple of friends tell me they're really happy to even move back to Pakistan. And I was like, mm, I don't like to diss on my motherland. But what? Anyway, each to his own, right? I think we want different things as well. Some people are scared about the freedom over there and the stuff their kids will learn. Oh, no. Oh, no. What if they learn something that's not in agreement with my own values? What will I do? The devil will come and spoil them. And they'll just because they've learned about something, they'll adapt to it. So if they hear the word drugs or something then they'll start doing it some some something along those lines maybe it's true because you know when i was growing up in the middle east uh a lot of lovemaking scenes were censored but none of the action scenes were and now we're portrayed as being violent so if the stereotype's true <laughs> then maybe that's the reason i don't know just saying i'm, I'm just uh i'm just playing to stereotypes today that's what it is um you know it's a little Sad, though, uh, I just heard about the shooting that happened in Denmark, the mass shooting. And one of the guys quoted was saying, like, man, it looked like a mass shooting, like a school shooting from the U.S. And you're like, whoa, um, that's a really sad way to describe it if that's what America has become, right? <laughs> if those are the examples coming out about the u.s is like oh well you know it's the shooting stuff the gun stuff and they you've done it to yourself folks it's um those gun laws you know and some people might turn around and go well you know denmark has one of the strictest gun laws and they still happen you know what it's rare there that's why people were surprised and shocked and there's an investigation going on into figuring out how the hell this happened in the u.s you don't even bother doing that because you're like well he went to the walmart <laughs> And bought himself some guns and bullets. That's how easy it is there. I think my personal, like I was shocked. I don't know if I've mentioned this before in my podcast. But the first time I walked into Walmart and seeing people with like just guns around really did shake me. Just the fact that guns were available to buy like that. I don't know. It was so weird from the rest of the world. I think Americans need to travel more and see and go, you know, it's not normal 
to have these killing machines armed everywhere you know it's crazy anyway so uh yeah so i heard about this thing and i think the other thing that struck me was the fact that they were talking about the guy having um a history of mental health issues and in fact was on the radar of some things and well there you go you know it's if you make it too easy then there are too many people with those kind of issues and they'll end up accessing guns and then you have this stuff happen so what are you gonna do huh so i didn't really want to talk about like dark stuff like that but it was just flashed in front of me when the news hit and uh so yeah i guess just popped up i hope people are safe there and just i don't know man i'm just there's too much stuff going around um Let's just talk about the good stuff. You know you know what the good stuff is? The good stuff is listening to these trade talks that are going on in the NBA. They amaze me. Like the amount of money people making. Like, I'm good for them. Good athletes should make some money. It reminds me of the Chris Rock joke about, you know, who the real rich people are. Are the owners who can afford to pay this kind of money. That's incredible. If I could pay someone a salary, like, you know, put them under contract to say $200 million over the next five years. If I had that ability, power to give someone that kind of salary, imagine how much money I'm making to be able to afford it, right? It's crazy. And uh, like, it's it's a whole different thing happening. And it's great. Like I said, it's great for them. I mean, this, some of these guys, all they have to do is be smart about the money they make and they'll be billionaires soon. Uh, probably own teams like Jordan's already doing it. Shaquille O'Neal just made an offer for, who was it? I can't remember, but he's made an offer for some team. I think the Orlando Magic. Yeah, he wants to buy his first ever team. Can you imagine like a player coming in back in the day and then one day becoming an owner? It's um, it's it's uh, it's great in a way. I think it's player empowerment, isn't it? People, people are empowered now. That's amazing. Uh, at the same time, I'm just jealous. <laughs> like, I can't. You know, the first time I ever felt about how insane some of the money people make for what they do uh, like you know the, the the difference between the, the the thing between what they do and how much they're being paid to do it it has sometimes always baffled me i worked in the banking sector before and i gotta say you know because i was in hr i was privy to a lot of the salaries and the ranges and everything and i've worked in comp and ben as well so i know in some other industries what the salary ranges are and you just go wow wow like some of it makes you sick you know there's this banker always tells the story to people they're so out of touch sometimes that what happened was that i was sitting with these guys post-recession and you know this is after the i'm talking about the financial crisis of 2008 so people have like lost their homes lost their jobs just destroyed completely their whole life savings have been wiped out and this guy, this banker higher up, he's just sitting there going, man, you know, two of my houses out of the three houses he owns, by the way, in, I think it was in the UK. And he goes, two of my houses have lost a bit of value. It's really, you know, I'm so annoyed. And I sat there going, oh, wow. Talk about not reading the room and stuff, right? But it, with that kind of money, you just lose sense of everything. And, I, and for some time I did too, because when you're surrounded by so much, money and people making money everything i made felt 
not enough, right? Like I felt like, wow, I, in any other sector, I would have been like, this is quite a bit of decent money and I'm quite happy with life. In that particular thing, because I was in banking surrounded by people making 10 times more and then on top of that bonuses and shit, uh, you just constantly feel bad and it, it's terrible and it probably creates awful human beings. <laughs> I don't know, some of, or at least really sad, mentally unstable human beings. I don't know, right? Because uh, there's so many changes. Even when you work in the sector, like I remember there was this dude who was really high up, a senior guy who dealt with a lot of government stuff. So he's paid extra well. Yeah. And uh, his car rim, I think, was equal to the price of my first ever car. It was a Mazda 3 that I bought. <laughs> and I just remember going... My whole car costs the same as that one rim. And so he's just spent it on like one wheel, you know, imagine the rest of the car. Uh, and so, yeah, like it's just so different from everything else is crazy. And and just hearing the NBA numbers right now, with the trades, but also the amount of trades going on, right? It's like every player has decided I got to move. Why wouldn't you? Or, you know, even if you stay within your team, like I, if I were in their place, I'd go where the money is because as an athlete, what do you know, right? You've you've got horror stories about people like Pippin and stuff who just about got lucky at the end, but may have ended up with very little because they signed bad contracts at the beginning and long-term contracts instead of good ones. So you got to make money. They're players whose injuries and their careers, there's, there's so much at risk. You got to milk it when you can. So uh, props to them. Uh, but if someone's interested in paying me that kind of salary, I'll leave my email address at the end of the podcast so you guys can get in touch and and make me those offers. I'm waiting. I'm a free agent. Not for sports, though. <laughs> I just kind of wonder what could I do in my life that would pay me the same amount of money as that. And I can't really think of too much. Uh, so unless you guys love my podcast a lot and really subscribe and leave comments and stuff, hint, hint, then I don't know. Then there's no way I'm making that kind of money, which means... This is going to be an underperforming life or something. Ugh, God, I always start these podcasts really positive and then these things come out. <laughs> you know what I was doing today? I was, um, I was with this corporate and I won't name them clients, right? And we were helping them come like a bunch of groups, uh, me and some of my fellow thespians and uh, <laughs> people I work with in the theater with the improv stuff. And we were helping these groups within the corporate to come up with short plays or short performance pieces that they were going to do tonight. So they'll, they'll probably be heading there doing it tonight. And they were meant to showcase the values or the behaviors that the organization wants to have done. Just, just a lot of HR jargon, right? And uh, one of the things that, in a way, it's kind of cool. Right. Uh, I met the MD and he's really passionate about it. And I think it's actually cool that you're looking at it. We kind of cry about companies that don't look into it. So why should I? Be? I should. I'm such a such a bad person that one, just like complaining about it when someone is trying to do the right thing. And I was part of it. So it was, it was actually quite nice. I should shut up. All right. And but the only thing that I noticed was there were there's always some people who are very shy. Right. And. And just the thought of for them to have to stand up in front of people and perform is stage fright. And they're worried. And you could tell these are the guys who just want to do something in the back at most or just be on the side supporting their team in different ways. And back in, you know, not too long ago, I just would 
just like look at these people and go, hey, look, just just get over that fear. All right. It's not something you can't learn to be better at. Just go do it. Like just get better at it. You know, you can get over that fear. And I just feel like I'm, you know, such a nasty person for me to think that. Because as I think about it nowadays, I just go, well, yeah, it's something they fear, but it's not necessarily something they want to overcome. You know, like if you just because you fear something, it's all this whole hoopla about like overcome everything, impossible is nothing stuff. But yeah, but do I have a motive to come off out of that fear? You know what I mean? Like, do I need to? Am I? What, what difference does it make? Like, take me personally, right? Like, I'm comfortable uh, about my fears about spiders. Yes, I am scared of spiders, but I have no desire to overcome that fear, right? It's a, I just feel bad because I just used to feel like, you know, for people, I guess it sounded like me saying, look, uh, if you have a fear of skydiving, just go on a plane a few times, jump five, ten times after the 15th time, you'll you'll be done. And I'm like, but these people, for them, stage fright is an actual fear as strong as what I just described about skydiving. And I'm very lucky that I don't have it in the same way and I get to perform and I enjoy it. But I also like, you know, yeah, I'm very conscious that you don't, some of these guys probably are just comfortable with their life and it's not something on their agenda to do <laughs> and then to be thrust in and be asked to do it. Ugh, I feel bad about that now. So I forget sometimes that I'm very lucky to be able to perform in front of people, do get on stage and just do stuff. And, and, and it's just a good reminder to me to not always just be you know, dismissive of people's fears and stuff and just be more um, conscious of it and maybe draw them out. I've seen people change. Some people have gotten better at it if they continue on. But like uh, you don't have to. Hey, if you fear something, you don't have to overcome it. Okay, unless it's like something that will affect your life. Like if it was your boss said, look, if you can't get up and do presentations in front of these clients and stuff over and over again, then you're not going to get promoted. I get it. Then you have to find a way to overcome it. There's a desire to do it. But if it's not part of your job, if you were an accountant or a technical guy and you don't ever plan on going into a career or, or, or like into a position where it's needed, hey, forget it. And I'm talking about all fears, right? Like what else do I fear? Fear, um, I don't know if I fear anything else. I'm fearless. I'm like Superman. That's what the problem is. People think you got to become Superman. And that's not true. Stupid self-help books and stuff, right? <laughs> like just overly positive stuff. Forget it. Don't do it. Be happy about it. All right. That's uh that's that's my takeaway from today's podcast is that there's enough bad stuff happening so you don't have to correct everything and just, you know, be at it and and live life to the fullest, all right? So, wow, I just completely turned this into a self-help kind of sounding thing, regardless of me saying I hate that kind of stuff sometimes. Uh, you know, when at first, when you first come into the, like, self-help arena or awareness that there's these books out there, some are good, and then you start listening to them, and then it's an addiction, right? So that's that's the problem. That's what I hate. Uh, you need two or three good books, 
get yourself motivated, get your head screwed on right, get out there and and just do it then. Okay, and you'll learn along the way and stop relying on people trying to give you the cure for everything. You know, I'm saying you, I mean me. I went through a real big patch of just doing this stuff. Anyway, look, we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered world events, some sad stuff, some good stuff. And I've given you some free advice from my wonderful life. All right. So you're very lucky to receive this. Um, That's enough because I'm in Abu Dhabi today and I need to get some rest because I've got something early in the morning. I got to wake up at 6 a.m. So that's not fun. Uh, you guys enjoy yourself. If you're in America, enjoy 4th of July. If you're out of America, then hope for 4th of July. <laughs> July. And uh, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts in particular. Uh, that's where my focus is. And I will catch you guys uh, next time on the next episode. Thank you for listening and goodbye, or as my dog would say, woof. Woof.